Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. Coming up on NFL Live, don't miss Giants rookie quarterback Daniel Jones answering all his critics why he thinks his own personal confidence will be the thing that proves all his doubters wrong. Plus, all week long, we'll go division by division to determine the state of each team now that the draft and free agency are behind us. And we'll look at this year's recently drafted quarterbacks. We'll tell you when we think they'll make their first NFL start, and we start in the nation's capital. They really like this kid, Wayne Haskins. With the 15th pick. Say roll out. Say roll out. Washington Redskins select Dwayne Haskins. To be honest, I'm more motivated now than ever. Uh, there's a bigger chip on my shoulder. Lead done messed up. That's crazy. Hello, everybody. Glad you could join us for NFL Live. I'm Wendy Nix with Jeff Darlington, Diana Rossini, and GM Mike Tannenbaum, who covered the draft, actually called every pick on ESPN Radio. <laughs> so Mel Kuyper over yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Mel Kuyper of ESPN Radio after what was certainly a busy few days last week in Nashville. Uh, but let's start with this. Although there was speculation that the Giants might have to move up in order to come away with the quarterback they were looking for, they stood still and still came away with Dwayne Haskins. The Redskins stayed where they were and took Ohio State quarterback uh, Haskins, as I met Washington President Bruce Allen was a guest on First Take on Tuesday. You hope he would fall to 15. You never know because of the way the trades work. No different than what we had to do later in the first round, getting Montez Sweat. I'm sure some teams were thinking about uh, selecting him, but when trades happen, it changes the entire uh, draft board. And uh, it, it worked out well for us. Uh, you know, he's a, a dynamic player. He had a great season last year at Ohio State. And it wasn't just his uh, magnificent statistics. Uh, once we met the young man and found out his desire to be a, be a great football player, that's, that's what really sold us. I've heard all of these different comments that people had a, a, a sense of what we were thinking. I promise you that's, that's not true. But uh, we wanted to get Dwayne. Uh, we, we felt that there was a chance he could get to us at 15, and, and we're pleased that we kept all of our ammo and were able to add 10 players in this draft. Well, look, any way you slice it, this is a draft win for the Redskins. If Dwayne Haskins is who they wanted, they were able to get him without giving up anything to move up. And Diana, you covered the Redskins last week. You were all over this, that Haskins was their guy. How did it unfold there? I feel like this is a, a tale of two stories here. First of all, the fact that we're seeing the team president, Bruce Allen, who doesn't really do a lot yeah. of speaking engagements. He doesn't really talk to the media that much. The fact that he is out here talking about it, it tells me that they feel really good about what they did. I heard that inside the building, there's a lot of high-fiving and patting on their own backs of the way this draft really fell to them. And it, it worked out perfectly compared to the way the Redskins organization was headed into the draft because it was very different than it is now, meaning there was a, a split in this organization with what the football operations side of this wanted and what the front office of Bruce Allen and Daniel Snyder wanted. And whether they were pitching, the football guys were pitching for Daniel Jones to be the quarterback pick there or not, in the end, Daniel Snyder was get to get what he wanted, and he got exactly what he wanted. And in reality, if you look at the way it all worked out for them, 
They were able to get the pass rusher they wanted. They were able to get the quarterback. So everyone walked out of Redskins Park like, hey, we may not like each other, but this worked. You know what's kind of funny? Maybe those guys should have chilled out before they saw what happened, before they started complaining about what their owner was going to do. Because <laughs> they could have walked away and been like, hey, we were right with you on that Haskins thing. Instead, Dan Snyder's like, this is my guy. We got him at 15. Daniel Jones wasn't even there. So I feel like uh, I feel like Daniel uh, Dan Snyder does deserve for once to pat himself on the back here. Well, I think it is a coup for them. Well, look, and if Dan Snyder wanted that quarterback, he was going to come away with that quarterback. He, you know, it's his. Yeah, but he team. got him at fifteen. But he got him at fifteen, and that's my question to you, Mike, because I've heard this said that this was an example of letting the draft come to you, not only with that first pick, but later on when they got the pass rusher and they picked they picked again. Is that the case? Yeah, no, no, no question about it. And, you know, Dan, you touched on it, and Bruce Allen, their team president, touched on it. When you can get two premium players, like a starting quarterback that you think will be there for the next 10 years, and a difference-making pass rusher, which by all counts, if healthy and the medical is cleaned up on yeah. sweat, Montez Sweat, Mississippi State, has a chance to be a difference-making pass rusher. So, as Jeff said... Those are two, you know, they're walking out of that room with two premium positions. That's a really good draft. Now, moving forward, if I'm Dwayne Haskins, I'm looking behind me. I got three really talented running backs, Darius Geis, Samarje Perrine, and then they drafted Bryce Love, running back Stanford, and that's three excellent running backs, and a running game is a rookie quarterback's best friend. I think that's the, the, the part of this Redskins draft that needs to be highlighted. We're so focused on the first round of what yep. they did, but it's really what the scouts put together, how their draft board was set for the second, third, and fourth rounds. Look, I, I truly believe this, that they were not happy, that being the, the scouts, the people running the, that draft board when Daniel Snyder went with Dwayne Haskins. They were not happy about it. In fact, I texted with them after that pick. Even after 15? Even after, after 15. Really? Nobody was happy you know about what, it. You know what, Dana? I, I got to tell you, like when you sit in the seat of making the decision, it's not a popularity contest. You want to get everyone's opinion. You thank them for their contributions. And at the end of the day, one person's making the decision. And obviously, ultimately, it's going to be Dan Snyder. And it's okay. That's a little weird, though, isn't it? Well, no, I mean... You know, you have Doug Williams. Doug Williams reports to Bruce Allen. Bruce reports ultimately to, to Dan Snyder. So in terms of people having their feelings ruffled, that is really par for the course. You want their input. And at the end of the day, one person's making the decision. And as long as they feel like all their work is being heard, there's only one person in every building that's actually making that well, call. Like how many owners, though, how many owners around the league are doing that, do you think? Like. You know, every situation is going to be different, Jeff. I think, Look, there's, I think there's more than one. I would, I, I would yeah, Jerry yeah, Jones. Would, he's, he's around, I mean, yeah, and I know there's a lot been made that, you know, Dan Snyder's son played with Haskins. But, look, a lot of teams liked Haskins. A lot of teams had Haskins over Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. So the nice thing is they're going to play in the NFC East every year with Daniel Jones and head-to-head. And in the next three years, all the cards will be revealed, and we'll see who made the best decision. Well, but I do think the X factor in this is Montez Sweat because, again, if healthy, he may be one of the five best players that come out of this draft altogether. So – for them to get both players, I think, is a job well done by them. What's interesting to me, and I'll go back to something you said, Mike, is that at the end of the day, there's one person making the decision. You make it, you say, thanks for your help, but, you know, I got this. Which, again, goes back to Dave Gettleman and sort of these comments after the fact of trying to justify it or trying to say, here's, what I, here's why I did it. You know, again, he was that one decision maker with the Giants and really doesn't have to say anything else. No. But how do you know that maybe perhaps in the Giants organization, and I'm not reporting this, I don't know this, but how do we know that it wasn't the same sort of scenario in New York as we saw in Washington where maybe the coaching staff and the football operations side of it wanted Dwayne Haskins and Gettleman 
sort of did what Snyder did and said, you know, I'm going to go with Daniel Jones here. I don't think it's I don't think everyone and you can speak to him much better than I can. But I don't think everyone is always all in agreement. I'm sure you have examples of where your head coach wanted a player and you wanted someone else, and, and you either won that or the head coach did, and w- well, we don't know. Are, 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 are you talking about the part of, like, I can relate to being criticized as a New York team? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, can, I, can, you, I imagine that feels you have that on you, yeah, and, yeah, and it's not yeah, an of easy course. job. But, you know, when you have the privilege of these jobs, guys, like, that's what comes with the territory. Like, there's a lot of great things about it. The prestige, the title, those are all great things. But with the privilege of these seats come criticism, and that's what you sign up for. And, look, Dave Gettleman's done it at a high level for a long time. The threads of that decision, though, in my mind, started in 2018 when he decided to take Saquon Barkley running back Penn State over Sam Darnold. And if I'm a Giant fan, I think what you really got to ask yourself is, are you better off with Sam Darnold, right, and let's say Josh Allen or Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones? Because that's a great question. Because that's really, that really the, th- is the question, right? Because that, that, the threads of the decision this year started last year, and we'll find out. Bar- yeah. Barkley is a dynamic player, but if Darnold turns out to be a great quarterback and Josh Allen – is this great player for, you know, Jacksonville, then, you know, we'll see how that plays yeah, out. That's a good point. Well, Bruce Allen later appeared on NFL Network and was asked about Giants GM Dave Gettleman and if he had knowledge of Washington's draft plans at quarterback, as he sort of alluded to. And Allen said this, we picked the player we wanted to pick. I'm almost positive Dave has no clue <laughs> what our draft board would be. I don't know which draft boards he knows, but he doesn't know ours. <laughs> So, relatively clear on that. I don't know. Diana seemed to know exactly what they were <laughs> <laughs> This is what's interesting, what, what, what people at home don't realize, too. When you're, when you're reporting on the draft... Well, Diana, hold, that, hold your thought right there, because we are going to hear from Daniel Jones. We've talked a lot about that selection, the selection I call it heard round the world. <laughs> and here he is at number six, and he spoke earlier on Sirius XM. I haven't paid too much mind to that. I think that's key to playing quarterback, to being... You know, consistent as a quarterback is keeping your head in the same in the same place, and you know I think that just comes down to your your confidence in yourself, and you know your confidence has got to come from from inside of you. It doesn't, you know. I think if you're looking externally for confidence, then or you know if you're looking externally for confidence, then you're also going to be affected by the negative as well. So uh, you know, just just finding your confidence in yourself and, and knowing what you can do. As a player, as a person, I think is, is kind of the you know the way that works, and you know the kind of the best best way to think about handling all that stuff. Well, look, a lot to get to here. We can yeah. go back to Gettleman and what he said, but I do want to say, you know, it's not this kid's fault, right? No. I mean, he played; he had an excellent college career. He gets drafted by the team who wanted to draft him, and I hope, I, I honestly, I hope he does go out and prove everybody. Wrong. But that, and that's the thing; it's nobody's fault. Like, like I correct when we look at. Russell Wilson being drafted in the third round or Tom Brady in the sixth round. Look, in retrospect, those teams should have picked those players far earlier. In this case, if Daniel Jones winds up being a franchise quarterback and he was picked 27th or in the second round or the third round, we'd be saying, wow, what a steal for the Giants. It doesn't matter. As long as he succeeds, it's fine. And that's the ultimate thing. Like, I don't necessarily agree with the way Dave Gettleman has continued to try to defend himself. The only defense here is, hey, we believe he's the franchise quarterback, and that's the end of it. You know what was encouraging about what Daniel Jones said? When I worked for uh, Coach Parcells, you know, he had a great run, obviously, with the New York Giants, won multiple Super Bowls. And I asked him, how did you know when Phil Sims was your guy, when he was really, you know, the quarterback that could take you to where you want to go? He talked about he threw four interceptions in a game, and in the following Wednesday's practice, he got in the huddle, and the ten other guys in the huddle believed that Phil Sims could take them to where they want to go. 
and you hear that soundbite from Daniel Jones yeah. and that sort of mental toughness, to me, Diana, that's a great foundation for what he needs to be successful as a quarterback in New York. Actually, it sounds like Eli, by the way, doesn't he? Uh, uh, slightly, <laughs> a and looks bit. a little bit like him, too. And he, you know, he's been compared to him in so many different ways. He's like the long-lost brother, uh, you know, another Manning brother out there. Uh, I mean, you can speak to it better than anybody, though, the pressures of New York. And he's already doing a great job, Daniel Jones, handling the media, and, and it's just going to increase. And, and the pressure is going to increase on this Giants organization to put him in. You know that first pass that Eli throws that, that isn't perfect? The New York Giants fans are going to begin the campaign of, Let's see this rookie now. Let's get this going. The Eli D's are done. So I'm curious to see how he's going to handle it. We see Sam Darnold handling it spectacularly um, with, with the New York Jets. And, and Saquon Barkley is obviously, I mean, he's the face of that, of that organization at this point. And really the best thing the Giants could do, the old trick is, in the preseason, put him in with a really good backup offensive line, script the plays, make sure he's going against the opposing team's third-string defense, and have him have success. Because I agree with Diana, though. The first time that Eli throws a bad pass, they're going to want him in there. But Daniel Jones needs to have success in the preseason. We always say, oh, preseason games are meaningless. Not in this case. Daniel you know, Jones. Wait, I didn't know the only this. The problem is that's going to increase. Did you know that that's Hold on, though. I think that's a dangerous precedent yes, to set I, for exactly. this reason alone. Dave Gettleman, Gettleman now has all of this on his back, right? If, Jeff, they, if they don't put Daniel Jones in when he's ready, if they put him in too soon. I'm not saying putting him in too soon. I'm saying get him off to a good start so his teammates yeah, believe that he can be successful. Yeah, but they won't have a chance if he comes off to a but, good start. No, but think about it the other way. If he doesn't play well, then people are going to start doubting whether or not he should be in the sixth pack pick in the draft. Sounds my a little is, damned if you do. My point fundamentally is he has to earn the belief and the trust of his teammates. And if he goes out yeah. there and plays well in the preseason and leads them down to scoring drives, that's where it all starts. Everything else will uh, fall into place. He has to win over his teammates. And by if he plays well in the preseason, that's the best way to do it. Well, I know one thing. It will be interesting to watch no matter how yeah. it plays I mean, out. Think it's about those two scenarios. Both right of them there, sound right? like it, it really does. firestorm. Right there in New York. (laughs) Yesterday, we did our post-draft reviews of the AFC East and NFC East. And today, we put both South divisions under the microscope. We'll start with your draft grade, Mike, for the Jags. They took Josh Allen in the first round uh, and then take it from there. Yeah, they got a straight A in my book. You know, you start with Josh Allen and you pair him with Yannick Nguakwe, Calais Calais Campbell, Marcel Darius. I think he's going to be a dynamic difference maker. Second round, they take Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle, University of Florida, right down the road in Gainesville. Doug Marone, offensive line pedigree as a head coach. He'll be their starting right tackle. And then Josh Oliver, tight end, San Jose State. Look for him to be the Zach Ertz to Nick Foles as the tight end. Well, what's interesting, of course, is that in free agency, as we sort of merge these two as the roster comes together via both, they got their quarterback. So you knew, you knew that box was checked, Diana. So when you look at free agency, the comings and the goings, how did they fare? Uh, we just had that graphic up there that was showing who came and who went. And the list of people that left Jacksonville, that's a long list of, yeah. of players that are gone. Um, all right, so I'm going to give them a B plus because I'm going to start with just the fact that Nick Foles – well, let's just say this. The Super Bowl winning Nick Foles is a gigantic upgrade from Blake Bortles. Sorry, Jeff. I know you're about to jump yeah, in here to cut me off. Um, Not to be mean about it. But so I, I, where I hurt them or I reduced their grade a little there um, was the fact that they did let go of so many guys. But the addition of Dom Capers, too, joining as a senior defensive assistant, I thought was a great addition as well. If we're going to talk about veterans, I'll talk about veteran coaches as well. Jeff, let me, you, you took it easy on Blake there. Yeah, okay, let, let, me, let me ask you this. He, he's not so bad. Uh, look, they do get Nick Foles, and he, yeah. he is a super-winning quarterback and, and came close to taking this team deep again. 
So they believe he's an upgrade. What do you? How much better can he make this team? Right. I was speaking with someone with the organization just a little bit ago, and they pointed to two things: the decisiveness, the decision making, and the accuracy. Those are the big things that they want to see upgrades from Blake Bortles on. And look, when it comes to leadership, the locker room actually will love Nick Foles the way they loved Blake Bortles—a very settling, calming presence. It really is about the decision making within the games. You've seen it from him in the cl- most clutch moments. There's a lot of statistical breakdowns of Nick Foles that doesn't necessarily make him look that much better than Bortles, to be quite honest. But in those moments, in those key moments, when you have to rely on him for a big decision, that is where they expect Foles to be the difference. And, by the way, what we have to watch for is how many wins does that add, right? Is that worth two wins, three wins, four wins? Because that's the difference between the Jaguars being in the basement and contending for the division. And and just to add to that, every defensive coach I ever work with hates the quarterback that can make plays with his feet. Foles has a basketball background. He will make some plays with his feet throughout the season that will uh, keep drives alive, and that's another yeah. benefit. So can Bortles, by the way, Blake Bortles, the man of. Do you are you that feet? guy? Or do you run that Twitter? He account? does. He does he this all the time. I really like Blake Bortles. I know, but he do, likes that's Rex, not you, Rex Grossman, like Rex Jay Cutler, I like and Blake and Bortles. Swagger, even if they're not good. Okay, he's like the graveyard yeah. collector of old quarterbacks. Rex I can live with that. Golden God. Okay, you know what? On that note, let's talk about the Texans. You don't have to feel. You don't have to worry about the Sean Watson. He is a good quarterback. Mm. Uh, on to the 2018 yes. AFC South champion Texans, I should say. And Mike, again, we'll ask you to do this each time because you've been in these rooms. Uh, take me through this draft. Give me a grade. Yeah, I would give them a B minus. One of the things I like what they did is they doubled down in a position of need on the offensive line, taking Titus Howard and uh, Max Sharping, two guys that should come in and, and contribute right away. Certainly, uh, Titus Howard. Uh, really interesting guy to me is Kahali Waring. He's a uh, tight end that only played really one year of football uh, for San Diego State. Has tremendous upside. A lot of teams liked him late in the process. I think he could really develop under Deshaun Watson. And I think a lot of people will be talking about wearing as the year goes on. Okay, again, we're looking at this, the draft, and then free agency. So uh, let's talk about the veteran moves this team made. Well, I would give them a B. And really, this is just all about the, the secondary here. Or C, I should say. Because I'm a little bit concerned about losing uh, two key players in that secondary. And Tyron Matthew, first of all, and Kareem Jackson. Look, this, this grade could be increased by the fact that Gibson could come in and Roby could come in and do a really good job of settling those issues in the secondary. They went out and tried to replace those guys, but that is a really good secondary that they lost. Those two guys are going to have to step up huge to make this class look even better. Well, the best ability we know is availability, and that's to say nothing for Deshaun Watson, but there have been some injuries, and one big question mark for the Texans moving forward is how many hits like these can he continue to take? He he, he is who he is, but that's been a problem. A strong year for Watson, but he took his fair share of licks, getting pressured an NFL high 41% of the time, basically two in every five dropbacks. And Watson's been sacked 62 times and contacted while running or throwing on 165 plays, and both both of those numbers the most of any quarterback. And so, Diana, my question to you is you would think at some point that Bill O'Brien and that staff would want Watson to adapt the way he plays. You said he is who he is. And, Mike, you can speak to it. Coaches aren't trying to change the quarterback fundamentally what they do. They're trying to improve what they do well. And that's what they're trying to get Deshaun Watson to do. They, they want to make sure he's improving and understanding that that four-yard gain going 40 miles an hour, it's not worth it. We used to talk about this with Robert Griffin III in Washington all the time. It's having the discipline and understanding 
of what you do well and not stepping to that area of temptation yeah. to do more and understanding your value to this team as a healthy quarterback versus a quarterback with an injury. Yeah, and to that point, again, I give Brian Gain, their general manager, a lot of credit. You know, when you have a need like they did on the offensive line to protect right. Deshaun Watson, he doubled down. And they have a really good offensive line coach in, in Mike Devlin. Mm-hmm. Again, some people are going to question, well, you know, Tyus Howard, you know, FCS and his background. But, you know, if you look over two to three years, both him and Sharping should contribute. And if they can keep Watson healthy, they're going to be really tough. To they also brought in Matt Khalil, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I should mention that with the free agent acquisitions, that's a good addition to there. I always feel like it's a double-edged sword because uh, the way he plays is part of his strength. It's part of what makes him the quarterback well, he And is. health all around for this team is really the issue, right? To Davian, J.J. Watt, to Sean, uh, Merciless. They've, this is going to be the first season that they're going into where everybody's healthy. So the, the, I hope it stays that way. I'd like to see what <laughs> no, that I didn't mean to like change it. Yeah, yeah, no, it can. Uh, but I, but I agree. You, you hear those names one after the other, and we really haven't seen at length what they can do together on the field and healthy. Uh, maybe this time around we will. And now a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. We continue on NFL Live, our division-by-division breakdown of the draft. Mike, give me a draft grade for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, Wendy, I give Tennessee a really solid B. Jeffrey Simmons, when it's all said and done, may be one of the five best players in this draft from Mississippi State, coming off of uh, an ACL. And then uh, A.J. Brown, a very complete receiver from Mississippi with all their weapons. He was their go-to guy. All right, that's part of the picture. Then there's veterans who moved on or either came to Tennessee uh, walk us through this, Diana. Uh, well, Mike, I, this is really more for you. Look at all these Dolphins players uh, that, that Mike Vrabel picked up out of your old Miami team there. Yeah, a little reunion tour A little there. reunion <laughs> tour up there in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill and Cameron Wake. And look, guys, this is a, a contract year for Marcus Mariota. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, though, I, I do not think we can count him out when it comes to camp time. And there's a little bit of competition. It's either going to turn out that Ryan's going to prove he can be a starter or he's going to push Marcus Don't Mariota. Don't steal my hot take, Diana. All right. Here's your hot take. You're, go, you're going with that? All right. Well, here's your, here's your hot take. Because one thing I will tell you, which you know, is that Marcus Mariota entering his final year in his rookie deal, so no financial commitment yeah. after 2019. You would think this would be a big evaluation year. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy. I believe that Marcus has the talent. It's whether he can stay healthy. And if by week eight, all of a sudden, he goes down with some kind of injury, Ryan Tannehill, as Mike and I know very well from our time in South Florida, will come in there and look really pretty and really good. And all of a sudden, he's going to be the type of practice player that is going to make the Titans believe that he could be their guy. I believe that ultimately the Titans will enter 2020 feeling like Ryan Tannehill is their franchise quarterback, not Marcus Mariota. Oh, that is a hot take. We'll All see right. if it works out. Mike? Uh, ag- agreed. Oh, I, you uh, agree? Agreed. I mean, you know, when healthy, he's been a starting winning quarterback. That is not hope. That's not conjecture. That's just the facts. When he's starting and he's healthy, he's a, he's a good quarterback. Can I put your feet to the fire a little bit on this? Sure. If you're the GM right now in Tennessee and you know Ryan Tannehill's on a roster, are you – who are you going with Ryan or are you going with Marcus Mariota as your starter right now? Well, Mariota is your starter. Yeah. He's been there, but you know you also you need depth at that position, and they're in a good position because it's his job. Yeah, they got they got two they got two guys that they can win with. And you know. 
never know. The competition, look, competition affects people in different ways. Sometimes it's just what the doctor ordered uh, for quarterback. But both guys, it's going to be like a very quiet, subdued quarterback room. They're very, they're going to be very polite. This is not going to be some like crazy, fiery thing. But I'm just saying that Ryan looks really good in practice. He is an excellent practice player. And eventually, if Marcus struggles or gets hurt, this team is going to fall for Ryan Tannehill. Just like every year in Miami. I know Miami fans got tired of hearing it, but every year, you, you know, Adam Gase. I remember him coming to me the day before that Ryan went down with that injury and said, man, I got 17 playing like a monster. (laughs) Coaches fall in love with him, and so will the Tennessee Titans. All right, speaking of a monster, Andrew Luck is exactly that when he's healthy, which he was in 2018. But first, before we talk about that, let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts and what they did last week in the draft, Mike. Yeah, I give them a grade of an A-. You know, they really hit on their first four picks. Rockusin, really good cover. Uh, corner, then uh, Ben Bagu from TCU should help their pass rush. Harris Campbell, very underrated wide receiver from Ohio State, and then Bobby Arike, linebacker Stanford. He has a chance to start right away. So I thought their first four picks were all excellent. All right, just because we've done this with every team, now the veteran moves here. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily love their offseason. Look, Chris Ballard is being very conservative about his moves, and I, I commend him because he's building a really nice roster, being some great turnover. Devin Funches, we'll see if he can work out as a number two receiver for the team. I love the Justin Houston signing. All in all, though, when you see that, there wasn't a whole lot done there. I really like Houston there. Funches will be make, maybe the make-or-break guy for that free agency. You're an class. easy grader. You give him a B, yet you just kind yeah, of kill him. Actually, he's he's very big on the Bs. Yeah, I like right? Bs. yeah a lot yeah. of Bs. Right, the Colts endured... <laughs> A stop-and-start 2018 campaign in their race to get back to the playoffs after Josh McDaniels backed out of his commitment to coach Frank Reich stepped in. Their top three draft picks in 2018 provided a spark. It was a good year. Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard were both first-team All-Pros. They quickly fell behind the pack, starting just one and five, but then here we are. Nine of the last ten, they zoomed past the AFC contenders to make the playoffs, and Andrew Luck who won Comeback Player of the Year, led them across the finish line and helped Wendy win their – Indy, not Wendy <laughs> – win their first playoff game in quite some time. So that's how we left it. As we pick up in 2019, are the Colts the team to beat in the AFC South? No. No? Ooh. No, they're not. I disagree. Okay. I would go with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars for me. You got, a, you got a quarterback? Your emoji. Get the emoji again. I, I, you can use my face. Like, oh, go, ahead, go ahead. He's Ladies like, first. no, I'm not Ladies going first. back no, in no, there. No. You do it. No, you really got to see Mike's face here. This is really good. Yeah. There we go. No, no. Actually, oh, I was, oh. but, but I was you not going to go. Yeah. You put it on the wrong team. Swipe, swipe it over. Oh, oh, there we go. There, there we, go. we go. Okay, now we got it. So, Nick Foles, <laughs> Super Bowl winning quarterback, and that dynamic front seven. Josh Allen could be the defensive rookie of the year. I like Jacksonville going all the way to the Super Bowl. All right, you said agree to disagree, which yeah. means you don't have the, the Jacksonville. No, I actually am, uh, I'm, I, I actually really like the Colts here. And, and Oh, that's, I, that's not a bad picture. I want to like the uh, the Jaguars, and, and actually we'll get to that in a second, but the Colts have really done a nice roster turnover, and it's all about Andrew Luck. I believe that the best quarterback in the division will ultimately lead that team to where it started to go this past season. And honestly, if they have half the success, Mike, with this year's draft class as they did last year when they really hit a home run, they will be in very good shape. Uh, Diana, that leaves you, my friend. All right, this time last year, Deshaun, JJ, Jadavian Clowney, and Merciless were all rehabbing. So this year, oh, everybody's healthy. You're overcomplicating it. All right, there you go. No, you, were, you were very, you had a nice note. Your hair looks lovely. Thank you. Uh, I preferred the ponytail, but uh, I'll take it. Uh, no, I just. I think with the healthy Texans team, we talked about at the start of the show, especially on offense and and defense here with these players, this is going to be the first time where they can really start this season, despite, I mean, they had a great first half of the season last year as well, 
where everyone is good. And I, and I think that's going to work to their advantage. That is good. Like a, a deep, deep run into the, into the playoffs. This division's well, looking I was pretty gonna say, I think they're going to get three this. teams sneaking in the playoffs. Well, I, well, I think the AFC West will have something to say about that when it's all said and done. But that's the fair. depth in this division is really much improved. It is. And, and in, in the case of the Texans and the Colts, much improved in large part because guys got healthy. Well, let's go. How quickly will these top quarterbacks go and take the field after this draft of the 32 quarterbacks taken first round dating back to 08? Nearly half started week one as rookies. And 31 of 32 all but one started at some point during their rookie season. From 99 to 07, only two of the 26 rookie first-round QBs started week one. And a whopping eight never logged a start. We're going to get out our crystal balls here and try to figure figure this out when we'll see these guys. But, Mike, before we go quarterback by quarterback, give me sort of a general sense of what we're looking at recently. Yeah, so, Wendy, just going back to what you started talking about, since 2008, eight first-round quarterbacks have started in every game. It's wild. Yeah, the last one to do that was Carson Wentz. And on average, they start 11 games throughout their rookie year. And, again, that's first-round quarterbacks going back to 2008. Which means the general managers are all liars. <laughs> I, he says after, I plead the fifth. After every draft pick, you always hear the general manager come out and say, play. this guy is not going to play his rookie season. Yeah, so play years. <laughs> all right, look, we'll go the order they came off the board. And in that case, we start with Kyler Murray. When do we see the young man starting quarterback? Well, guys, last year, the only quarterback to start an opening day was Sam Darnold. I think Kyler Murray has a chance to do that and be the starter on opening day. Yeah, no brainer there, right? I, who would, I think this is who, our easy. Who is their backup quarterback? Uh, Josh Rosen. If Kyler, Murray, oh. if Kyler Murray is not starting there, then Steve Kime is out of a job. Yeah, well, at this so. point, this one is relatively easy to predict. And I would also venture to say, in this instance, they don't even bother with the rhetoric of he's not going to play. No, you know, no. Hold, there, well, no I mean, we can skip that step, I, I think. Kind of, I was kind of joking with Mike there, but in all seriousness, if it's a number one overall pick, it's absolutely that guy's playing. Yeah, right? and, and, and Kingsbury came out. Cliff Kingsbury, their head coach, talked about, hey, we're going to be four wides, five wides. And everything is going to be, you know, they're it's tied around to this guy. No question about it. It's a plug-and-play situation Absolutely. in Arizona yeah. when it comes to their first overall pick. Again, if we go in the order they came off the board, that brings us to Duke's or former Duke quarterback Daniel Jones. Yeah, and obviously this one's different. Yeah, Eli Manning is going to be the starter. I would think somewhere four to six games in, we could see some sort of change, especially four to six. Well, I, games I think Daniel Jones is going to be the starter. Week three. All right, week three. We will see. No, yeah, I disagree. Yeah. Hold on a second. If there's one thing that we have learned from Dave Gettleman, he does not care do about any thing. of you. That's the no, thing. No, right I here. agree. But he has a new love now. He has a new quarterback yeah. that he can be all ride or die for. Now I'm that like, Eli's not going to be working. I'm the guy who always thinks that guys are going to get in there sooner rather than later. Baker Mayfield, for one, like he's going to be in there right away. Daniel Jones. I feel like Dave Gettleman has to be completely sure that he is ready to go in there because if he is not ready and he fails, Dave Gettleman is out. Yeah, but you have the other side of it. Fundamentally, Pat Shermer will be the guy to decide who plays, and if he feels like Daniel Jones is going to give him the best chance to win, mm-hmm. I think... Over the, Eli, you know, we think that you're saying Pat you think Shermer, Eli's done. If Pat, I, he could be done in New York. I'm not saying his career's over, but I think there's no doubt at some point this season, early on, the torch will be uh, passed to Daniel Jones. Like two I, I would, his first hot take right? of I, I would have <laughs> ventured to guess it would happen at some point. That's a little earlier but yeah. than I thought, but we'll see. If Pat Shermer thinks it's going to save his job, he's going to play him. And I think Agreed. it's going to well, be I, early. That, that, Agreed. That, yeah, that's probably true. Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. Washington Redskins. Yeah, a little bit different. You know, they acquired Case Keenum. 
I think he'll play sometime around, you know, midseason, but no rush there. I think they did a really good job of solidifying that position after last year. Colt McCoy's injury, Alex Smith's injury. Yeah. Now they have Case Keenum, a, a reliable starter. They could take their time with Haskins. Sometime in midseason, guys, I think Haskins will go in. Mike, you're uh, such a smart true. guy. That's why you didn't work in Washington. There is no way Dwayne Haskins doesn't go out there and start week one because the pressure that's going to be put on Jay Gruden to make Dwayne Haskins work over Case Keenum, who Daniel Snyder is not invested in at all, who Bruce Allen is not invested in at all. I think they're going to want to roll out their rookie. You saw how that season ended for Washington. They were embarrassed by Philly fans. Dan Snyder saw that empty stadium at FedEx Field. They want to sell tickets. They want to get the crowd ignited the way they did when Robert Griffin III was there. Usually the, I think Haskins is going is, out there week one. I'm I, usually the one who's screaming the guys are going to play early. I do I recall having a different conversation with you last year. You think, think Keenum will play for a while? Yeah, I think Keenum's an easy choice there. It's like you, you can actually roll him out for a few weeks until it's an obvious time for Haskins to come in. I don't think that they have to be as... That makes sense. (laughs) Fair enough. Let's go to Denver. Obviously, they traded. The Broncos traded for Joe Flacco. And then... They picked up Drew Locke. Had to wait to the second round. Locke I'm did. interested in what you think about this one. But yeah, I, I, I think, think this, they were happy to have him. You know what? I think this is really closely akin to where Kansas City was a couple years ago where you had Alex Smith for a year, Mahomes sat for a year, and then obviously the rest is history. I think Flacco plays this year. I think Drew Locke's a starter next year. That's an interesting one because if Flacco does come in reinvigorated, and I don't know that he does, but I think that Flacco does kind of have that vibe where he's like, I'm going to go show the world for one season and then get lazy. I think that this will be a situation where he puts it to Denver. If he has a good year, that's yep. going to be a really tough decision to make next Absolutely. year. I would say this. He, certainly he can hold this off. Joe Flacco can hold this off with the way he plays. Yeah, that's fair. Panthers. Uh, again, you have Cam Newton. Health has been a concern. They draft a quarterback in the third round in Will Greer. One of my favorite draft choices in the whole draft, guys. He's going to start in 2020. For Team X. It won't be the yeah, Panthers. Okay. This is the old Green Bay Packer, Ron Wolf, Mike Holmgren. We got our starter in Cam Newton. We're going to develop Mark Brunel, Aaron Brooks, Hasselbeck, and move him on. Wolf Greer is going to start in this league, but it won't be for the Panthers. This is a good move, by the way. And Look, I know that Cam Newton is saying all the right things. The team feels that his shoulder is fine and everything's okay there. But having a guy like Will Greer, who I believe will ultimately be one of the better quarterbacks of this draft, in there in case something goes wrong so your season is not awry, that's a really good decision, and by the way, like you said, you can still unload him, get your draft asset back, if not better, and have a really, really viable guy in there for And let's year. be clear, I mean, you don't have to look far to, to see that Cam Newton's had injury issues. Yeah. I mean, this, it is, it's is not truly... out of the realm of possibility that yeah. he can't play all 16 games, not even close. So injury or trade is basically what we can all agree on. He's yeah. playing Both of which are I, think he'll be a, I think he'll be a starter 2020 for sure somewhere. Yes. All right. Well, the, Panthers or for some no, somewhere else? Oh, that's team X. Yeah. All right, the Bengals and Ryan Finley. Yeah, you know, Andy Dalton's going to be 31 in October. Zach Taylor, somebody I work with in Miami, really good job of working with quarterbacks. I think Andy Dalton's going to be the quarterback for the next year or two. I love where they drafted Finley. I think it's probably at least two years away. I think they, they have a chance to solidify the position between Dalton and Finley, but I think Dalton has a chance. Mm-hmm to have a good couple of years still as a starter. This is the smart recipe. This is like you, you, you populate, you get guys in that position, right? You, you get a guy like Finley, you develop him while there's another guy there, and along the way you also have a very cheap backup, right? You got him on a rookie deal for five, four years, four plus, and you have a guy behind him that you can develop. These picks matter, and Mike, you know that. Have you put, have you, have you put teams together and as you build rosters, you know, this is not some fourth round, doesn't matter kind of situation. Right. You're always planning 
and you never know when these guys become the most important person on your roster. That, that's right. Again, and if one of these guys flash in the preseason, a Finley, a Greer, even Stidham, you know, with New England, kind of like what happened with Garoppolo, mm. they could go for, you know, big premiums a year from now. So, again, Dalton's only going to be 31. I think he has a couple years left, but I agree with what Jeff said. This was a smart pick by Cincinnati. Don't you also wonder, like, remember, I wonder what we would say, like, when Russell Wilson got drafted in the third oh, round. Oh, right? we're like, like, no, he won't get out and there. And then he comes in there and lights it up. Like, which one of these guys is going to do that? Well, just remember, in the last seven years, 21 quarterbacks were drafted in the first round. How many played? 21. Yeah. That tells the story, at least. You draft them, you play them. That seems to be the way it's worked in recent memory. Well, we assessed the AFC South divisions earlier. We will turn our attention now to the NFC South, and we'll start with the Bucks. Mike, your draft grade in that situation. You know, Wendy, I give them overall a grade of B-, but what I liked is they went defense, 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 and they attacked all three levels of it. Devin White has a chance to be a defensive rookie of the year. Two in the secondary with Bunting, a long corner, Jamal Dean. And then uh, in the fourth round, they took Anthony Nelson out of Iowa, who I think has a chance to uh, contribute as a rookie as well. Again, we look at the draft, and then we look at free agency. So some veteran moves here that are notable. Jeff, take me through the bucks. Yeah, right. Not awesome. Uh, I give them a C. The departures are really the thing that actually probably opens my eyes the most. Just losing a, a playmaker like Deshaun Jackson, it didn't necessarily feel like it worked in Tampa, but ultimately you don't see a lot of additions. It really, the, the most notable additions the Bucks made this offseason was the addition of Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles. Mm. Quite honestly, the coaching staff is probably the biggest difference maker of this offseason. That, and that was the defensive coordinator, of course, and Bruce Arians, the head coach. Let, Diana, let's pick it up there, because Bruce Arians is charged with, hey, here's Jameis, what's he got, like Marcus Mariota, the final year of his rookie deal. So, you know, how, how does... Bruce Arians helped turn this thing around with the quarterback. Well, here's what Bruce Arians does really well in his offense. He improves the run game, and he makes it a, a, a tough run game. And while it will help Jameis Winston in, in terms of just knowing that he's got that confidence of that offense behind him, it will open up the passing game for Jameis Winston. Look, Bruce Arians will call himself the quarterback whisperer. In fact, he even wrote a book called The Quarterback Whisperer. And I do think that this would be a good test for him, not that he needs to continue to prove. But if he can get James yeah. Winston working, perhaps maybe even resurrect him, uh, I think Bruce Arians will have a longer coaching career down there in Tampa because there are some that think that, you know, because of some health reasons, it may just be a one-and-done kind of situation for him. But, you know, I think this could be a great way for him to just stay in the game. Yeah, Tampa's a lovely place, by the way. You could really enjoy the beaches. You know, Bruce oh, yeah, Arians I'm sure that's like what, nice I'm fit. sure that was his, that's what he's doing. Yeah. You, you, know, to, one day. you know, to Diana's point, you know, Which you go back hard. to uh, Temple. Bruce Arians has always improved the quarterback, but they're all in on him. You know, we just did a segment about, hey, the Ryan Finleys and Jared Stidham. Yeah. You know, Tampa Bay doesn't have anything behind Jameis Winston. Like, he is their hope. He is their future. Mm-hmm. So that hire was exactly that. Can we make uh, – well, This is it, you know, right, Mike? I no, mean, this no, is no, – no, no question about it. And, you know – O.J. Howard, to me, is going to be a really important piece. If, if they could come up with him to be a security blanket for Winston, especially on third down throws, they have to stay on the field more. They weren't on the field enough. They didn't convert enough third downs last year. This is all going to be about Bruce's ability to develop Jameis. This is sneaky one of the best storylines of the season coming up. Agreed. Agreed. And we, we throw that around, right? Quarterback whisperer, quarterback guru. You need to know why. And so we show you what Bruce Arians has done, his resume, if you will, and he has, in fact, worked with some great quarterbacks. He served Peyton Manning's first quarterbacks coach from, with the Colts from 98 to 2000. He was then Ben Roethlisberger's OC with the Steelers for five seasons. That included not one but two trips to the Super Bowl. And after that, he stopped in Indy, where, guess what? He worked with number one pick Andrew Luck during his rookie year. 
And as the Cardinals head coach and primary play caller, he worked with Carson Palmer. There's some big names on that list, and there's no doubt that how he will be viewed in Tampa anyway is how he works with the quarterback. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. They win. They have a winning season, and then they back it up with one that's not so not so successful. Mike, their draft grade. Yeah, we give them a B-plus. You know, we're watching Brian Burns here. He's a dynamic pass rusher. I think that was a really good pick. He could impact the game from day one as long as he could keep his weight up. Uh, Greg Little, who uh, offensive tackle from Ole Miss, really good uh, tools. He's been an inconsistent, but if he plays to his capability, he will be a really good starter. And Will Greer, maybe the steal of the draft to get him at pick 100. I think he really helps give them much more insurance at that quarterback position than they had. And, Mike, look at this list of departures here. This isn't just letting football experience it go. This is letting Carolina football experience go. You have Thomas Davis. He's been there since uh, 2005. Ryan Khalil since 2007. Obviously, Julius Peppers was, was drafted by Carolina. So you're talking about a, a lot of veteran leadership out of the building. That's why I was a little hard on their greening with giving them a C. While I, I see what you're saying with some of the improvements in their free agency, I still think that is those are tough players to replace. Well, listen, I alluded to it, and it's true. Season-to-season consistency has plagued Cam Newton. They've alternated winning season with losing season. Back and forth we go. Mm. Health is on the list. But, you know, what else will allow Cam Newton? That's it. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the last six games of this past season, he only threw 16 passes of more than 20 yards. He did not have it. He was short-skipping passes. He just didn't look good. He had this surgery in January, and and while I want to – comfortably believe that he will be a better player. Just like we went through with Andrew Luck, we're going to have to see it in training camp. He's tried to get over this shoulder thing. Uh, it feels like it's trending in the right direction, but that is everything when it comes to Cam Newton this season. And the best thing besides a good, uh, successful surgery, Jeff, to help Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, one That's of the cool. most dynamic playmakers in our game. And for all the players they lost, Diana, if this guy stays on the field for 16 games, he could run it, he could catch, he can pass block. He is a dynamic player. He's due player. for a monster year, right? He, absolutely. And he could change the narrative all by himself. Takes the pressure off Cam Newton. I've been with quarterbacks when they come off of shoulder surgery. It does take some time. And let the offense run through. North Turner's an experienced play caller. Play action, loves to run the ball. Chris McCaffrey is, is really set up to have a big year. Here's my question, though. Can Norv Turner get Cam Newton to buy into that? And he get him to be on board? Yeah, he already well, did. Well, Wendy, with- last year they were 10th in offense. And to Jeff's point, when they were healthy, they were rolling. Cam got hurt. So, again, I think the key to this team is going to be McCaffrey. And a second-year offense. Of North Turner is going to be in a second year running this, and, and I think this is the year where we're going to see that step. We're going to see that improvement now that they've worked together, which will now be two. I think Cam is actually a very coachable player. Like, sometimes we kind of view him with some eccentricities, but I think ultimately he it's is – a hat. He is, yeah, yeah, the outfits. But he is a very coachable player, and quite, quite honestly, at this point in his career, I think that he wouldn't mind a little help. ESPN's Draft Academy, our eight-episode documentary, takes a very personal behind-the-scenes look at drafts, uh, draftees as they head up into the draft. But ever, we're going to move on to the NFC South. Our off-season review continues. Mike, give me a grade for the Falcons in the draft. Yeah, it's an A-minus. Really, Wendy, when you consider the off-season is a continuum, to me, this started with Jamon Brown and James Carpenter, and now they draft Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. They, they attacked a problem for them, and now made it a strength. And they have a chance to make NFL history. It's the first time that one team may have five first-rounders on the field all at once. Yeah, Not not a bad deal at all. The veteran moves this team made. Well, I think it's a really good 
think that they had a really good draft because when you look at the additions and departures, you see it kind of weighed heavily over there in departures. Robert Alford and Tevin Coleman, two guys that are going to be very difficult to replace. They will try to do that, but like you said, they're going to have to really rely on their draft picks. From a veteran standpoint, give them a B, but that really could probably be more like a C. Well, it was a rough defensive campaign for the Falcons, and in large part because they had three of their key defensive players on the shelf, quite literally there last season. Safety Keanu Neal missed the final 15 with a torn ACL. Corner Ricardo Allen tore his Achilles in week three. He was out. And then there was Deion Jones, who missed 10 games with a foot injury. So that makes a huge difference. And we saw it translate on the field, Jeff. Yeah, for sure. And now, uh, this was a, a, a forgotten season for the Falcons in a lot of ways. But we have to continue to point to the division. And that's where I think that the Falcons are really going to have to make headway if they're going to improve in 20 Jeff, can I also point out, too, we talk about the departures New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new special teams coordinator. It's the first time in NFL history that all the coordinators were fired under a head coach and three brand new ones are coming in. That's a gigantic challenge for Dan Quinn. It's It's a huge change and it shakes up that coaching staff. Will we see this defense might get back in shape the way they need to be to contend? Yeah, you know, let's face it. Dan Quinn's been a really good coach for a long time, taking the team to Super Bowl. Defense is obviously his expertise. So from that standpoint, it's the same system. Um, and turns on the other side of the ball, you know, Dirk Cutter has always done a great job with quarterbacks. He, he's coached Matt Ryan before, and I think with a healthy offensive line, what an unbelievable offense this could be with the weapons yeah. they have, with Julio Jones, getting Devontae Freeman back. This should be a high-scoring team, and I think the defense will be improved because Dan Quinn is not only the head coach, but he's also the defensive coordinator. Glad they made well, you alluded to this, but let's look at what this Falcons starting offensive line could look like in 2019 with the drafting of Chris Lindstrom. And Caleb McGarry, Atlanta could potentially start. And you said it, five first-round picks, the first time since the common draft era began in 1967. No team has ever started five O-linemen in one game who were all first-round picks. It doesn't always translate, but at least on paper. Oh, that's a good-looking group. That is a good-looking group. Dirk Cutter's going to get the most out of them. By yeah, and uh, look, we drafted two offensive linemen going back to the uh, 06 draft in the Jets. And look, it's not... Noteworthy. It's not going to get you know a lot of headlines, but it, it gives you great foundation. And again, if they can get Pat Ryan to stay healthy, it'll pay off. Yeah, it's not a big deal till you hear their name called and then something's going wrong. But That's right. they'll take it. How about the New Orleans Saints and how they fared in this draft? Yeah, I would give them a B minus. You know, a big loss for them was the retirement of Max Unger. I thought they did a great job. They traded for Eric McCoy. You know, him along with uh, Easton Stick, who they required from Minnesota, may replace Unger. And I love Chauncey Garter-Johnson, the new wave sort of safety. He could go down cover the slot. That really adds to a very improved New Orleans Saints secondary. Okay, so my issue with this, and this is why I gave them a C, is Max Unger missed one game in four years. Nick Easton played five games in 16, 12 and 17, and guess how many games he played last season? Zero. He was on IR, so that is not an upgrade. You look at Jared Cook, though. He had a phenomenal season, obviously, with the Raiders. 68 receptions compared to Ben Watson, who had 35. Uh, and for the comparisons of Mark Ingram and Latavius Murray, uh, Latavius Murray is a downgrade from Mark Ingram. Especially in the locker room. Oh, oh, especially, I don't know, you bring up a good point with Alvin Kamara, the the great chemistry as as the running backs of the duos and... I don't think I saw one do an interview without the other. I'm not sure they can speak. No, they one, don't do it. One without they the won't other, do it. I'll say, yeah. please, can I just talk to one? No, they like connect like little Siamese oh, twins. Gonna have, to, gonna have to figure that out. Okay, the team to beat in the NFC South. You have to start. The bar has been set, if you will, by the New Orleans Saints. 
My question, does that stay the same? Are they still the team to beat in this division? Yeah, absolutely for me. You know, they were one call away from going to the uh, Super Bowl. I think they tried to fix what was wrong on their offensive line as well as their secondary. To me, it's the Saints to beat. I too will obviously this say is this. This a tough one. I have a feeling we might be. In I the mean, this, yeah, this, I mean, they're, they're a play away and from the, uh, from the Super Bowl. And quite honestly, New Orleans will tell you they were in the Super Bowl. So look, this and is the they team didn't team. watch the Super Bowl. They should have been in the yeah. Super Bowl. You guys are so positive. I, I get it. I spend tons of time with the Saints. You guys know that during the fall season. I think getting bounced from the playoffs in dramatic fashion, the way they did two years in a row, I think we're going to see a, a, a severe hangover this season. We talked about Mark Ingram a little while ago. And while Who's he's the pretty, team to be here? Yeah, that's uh, as I go I'm going to go with the Falcons I, here. That's, really? I can't, I, I I'm you. sorry. Oh, look at you ready. That's a, Are you kidding? Oh, five the first Falcons are the team I, to beat I'm over the Saints? I'm going to go with the Falcons over the Saints because wow, that, that element. I think, I think the offense, di- the dynamic there is going to change. I think the locker room is going to change. I think the Sean Payton magic touch is going to change. Are those motivated, all those motivations he's Sean had? Payton's magic touch is good. What are you talking about? I am never going to be allowed back at the Super Bowl. But <laughs> at Diana, listen, <laughs> question. This is, a, this is what we do when what a quarterback gets over 40. Hold on. No, is the, is the window closed? I, I hate even asking. No. I, I know. What are you guys talking about? No, but it's a fair question with a quarterback of his. You're going to go with Drew. How long we got? We, we, you think just, we went through this exact exercise with Did Tom you watch the like, playoffs? Like, do it again. Years. Looks like girls versus boys. Like, right now, I feel like we're, <laughs> I'm just, not saying it is, but I, but I do think that, you know, winning now is not the worst idea in the world if you're in New Orleans. No, absolutely. I, right, and I think the way Breeze plays to Jeff's point is very similar to Tom Brady. He gets rid of the ball really fast. He knows how to protect himself. And look, I think Atlanta's closed the gap. I just think the Saints have been really close the last two years. They're so talented. They're really hard to beat in New Orleans. And I think they did a great job of working on their secondary. You look over the last two years, Marcus Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, mm-hmm. this Chauncey Johnson. He, I'm telling you, he's going to make a big difference because he could, he's so versatile uh, for the Saints. So I think defensively, they took care of their weaknesses. And as long as they have Breeze, they're going to be the team to beat. I would I would put it like uh. this. They are the team to beat. But I do believe the Falcons are their biggest competition. They're the I team to beat in the NFC, not just the NFC South. I'm well, everybody gets to have an opinion, Jeff. That's how it works. <laughs> UFC Fight Night 151. It comes to yours race Saturday. The anticipated main event from Ottawa, Ontario, with the winner heading back to title contention. 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN Plus in English and Spanish. With the prelim starting at 5 Eastern, start your free trial today by downloading the ESPN app or visiting ESPNplus.com. Press coverage now, courtesy of the West Coast. And guess who's there? A certain quarterback who goes by the name of Tom Brady working He's just out. lovely. He's not taking any time. No days off. Thank you, UCLA football. It looks like the GOAT preparing for another season. Always an honor to work with him. Going to take one day off this weekend for the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, that's right. We have to see, <laughs> have to see the get-up. All right, we'll tribute this to our own Adam Schefter. Raiders running back Isaiah Crowell tore his Achilles during a workout with the team on Tuesday. He is out for this season. Crowell will undergo season-ending surgery next week. He signed a one-year deal worth $2.5 million after spending one season with the New York Jets. We've been talking about the draft, so it makes sense we talk about the rookies a number of those guys shined in 2018, including Baker Mayfield. 27 touchdown passes, breaking the previous mark shared by Peyton Manning, Russell Wilson. His teammate Nick Chubb had a great year as well, became the lead back, and 
As the season progressed, he finished with 10 touchdowns, 996 rushing yards. That's a Browns rookie record. His cousin Bradley Chubb put in work alongside Von Miller in Denver. Chubb started all 16 games, whopping up 12 sacks, a half sack more than Miller himself had a rookie. And Saquon Barkley, immensely versatile, catching the football. He became the third rookie to have 2,000 scrimmage yards, joining Eric Dickerson and Edger and James. In Atlanta, Calvin Ridley proved to be a great option alongside Matt Ryan's favorite target, Julio Jones. Ridley finished 2018 with 10 touchdown catches. And then Darius Leonard for the Colts, a tackling machine, an NFL high, 163 tackles. That was then, as they say. This is now, but we know who they are and where they will play, so we can rank what we believe to be our most impactful rookies. Yeah. Mike, I'll let you do it. Everybody else can chime in starting at five. Yeah, and it, Wendy, in terms of having them a chance to be successful, number five would be Jawan Taylor. He's set up for success because he's driving right up the road from Gainesville to Jacksonville. Doug Marone's an offensive line coach by trade. I think they plug him in right at right tackle, and away he goes. Absolutely. Dave Caldwell, the general manager there, wanted to address three needs with their first three picks. They wanted to get the edge rusher. They got it in Josh Allen. The fact that they could then address the offensive line like he wanted to with Juwan Taylor is a huge score. Eventually, they also got the tight end with the third pick. But getting Taylor there in the second round is unbelievable. All right, number four. Yeah, uh, Oakland running back Josh Jacobs. If you think about the success that uh, – you know, John Gruden has had in his career, you think about Marshawn Lynch, you think about Charlie Garner, power running game. Derek Carr's best friend is going to be giving the ball to Josh Jacobs, play action pass. Josh Jacobs is set up for success right away. You know, Mike, I might move him up the board after what happened today with yep. Isaiah Crowell. He goes down with the Achilles tear. Josh Jacobs is going to be the workhorse from day one. We talked about this earlier, how fast things can change in an instant opportunity can change in an instant. You hate to see it, but that's the way it happens. Next man up, number yeah, three. Yeah, number three, T.J. Hawkinson, tight end to Iowa. Going I to love the, this pick. Mm. Yeah, going to the Detroit Lions. New offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. You go back to the days uh, in Seattle when they were really successful. Power running game, quarter of attack blocking. Hawkinson fits perfectly. Coached by Kirk Ferentz at yeah. the University of Iowa. Style offense yeah, too. yeah, I think he's going to do. He is set up for success right away. He comes from Iowa, so you know the technique is going to be there, which is a good thing and also sometimes a bad thing too, uh, depending on what kind of defense he's running. But that said, they are ripping a page out of the New England playbook here, right? We know how much New England values tight ends here, and Matt Patricia is doing the same exact thing here. By the way, picking him up. It's very rare for tight ends to go in the first round at all, let alone top ten. Right. Well, and they they got a quarterback to get him the ball too, right. so that doesn't hurt. Down to our two most impactful. Yeah, and this guy, impactful uh, this guy could have been number one just as easy. Josh Allen, Jeff just touched on it, Jacksonville Jaguars. You're talking about a pass rusher here, and what, what a front they have when you think about, you know, Inakwe, Calais Campbell, uh, Marcel Darius. This is going to be a really tough defense to game plan for. Who are you going to double team? And I think this guy has a chance to be the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, he's explosive. He can fall back call. in coverage. And uh, I think he's going to be successful from day one. He's replacing Dante Fowler ultimately a little bit after Dante Fowler left for the Rams. But he's re- he's kind of replacing Fowler and doing so in a way that he might be a better player. I, th- I would expect him, like you said, to be very much in contention for rookie defense player of the year. Two Jags in your top five. Yeah, what you give that you gave their draft oh, today? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I had to have. Yeah, two, you got two starters, Wendy. I mean, the object of the exercise is to get guys that can plug and play, and I think they just knocked it out of the park. Definitely want to go that route. It is not to find guys who can't play, that's for sure. Man, Mike, right. you got a lot of guys, good one. guys left you on the board I was here. just saying, what, you didn't put Quentin Williams in there? Yeah, so I'm going to oh, go number one, though. Okay. Tyler Murray, no cut. Nick oh. Bosa. You're going to pair him with D. Ford, and you think about the other defensive lineman on the San Francisco 49ers, 
DeForest Buckner, Eric Amstead, Solomon Thomas. This guy's going to come in right away. Who are you going to double team? I think they're going to plug him in from day one, snap one. He's going to be an impactful player. Obviously, it's all going to be about his health. But if he's healthy in that scheme, paired with D Ford, he's not going to see a lot of double teams. I think Nick Bosa is going to win a lot of those one-on-ones. I completely agree having Bosa there. I wonder if I would have snuck Murray or Williams in there. But Bosa, number one, I think in 10 years we're going to look back at this draft. And Nick Bosa is going to be like the Hall of Fame guy that we said, wow. He actually wasn't even the number one overall pick. Mike, my favorite quote I got from a GM right before the draft about Nick Bosa, he said, look, Looking at this draft on the defensive side of the ball, there's Nick Bosa, and if this was a Word document, just press enter, 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 and then there's everybody. Which is crazy because yeah. there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of talented people. players yeah, in this right. draft. So, listen, we've gone through each division. Uh, we've told you what we think about the draft, what we think about free agency. Now it's time for a little bold prediction. Yeah. I think well, I was, I think you, I was drunk when I picked mine. You went, really? But <laughs> wasn't that this morning? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We the don't ca- judge here on really Serves up a nice cocktail. Uh, I, I said that the Jaguars will return to the AFC Championship game. Okay. Well, they, the, look, the, it's bold is the, it, the prediction. I don't know that that's going to happen, though. You know, uh, Wait, well, where did you get that Stay strong. I was going to support you. Yeah, yeah, I actually Nick has won a uh, Super Bowl before, and they're going to have a really good uh, front seven. And yeah, but that's Jaylen. a really difficult division. It's going to be really hard to get Wait, home field. Wait, so did advantage. you or did, are you or are you not making <laughs> the You're unbolding your prediction? This is like the Dave Gettleman school of bold um, predictions. Whoa, Just say whoa, it and then whoa. back it up. Wow. Um, you know, earlier today you said that my opinion didn't really right. matter because it wasn't correct. Well, right. you can now take that title. No, um, I know. And that's the problem here is that I, <laughs> I rethought my bold prediction based on what I said to you earlier about the Saints. Okay. Yeah. And now look at what my bold prediction is because I think this will actually come true. I think that the Colts will play in the AFC championship game. I think this is the year that we are going to reflect and look back and say, Andrew Luck is truly yeah, Wait, I know. Wait, <laughs> I want to go next. Can I go next? Because I know you're supposed to go next. But my, my bold prediction is Andrew Luck is the MVP. Oh, well, aren't you guys cute? No, I didn't well, even well, know. Well, lovely. But, uh, but look, Girls he was comeback player drunk. of the year. Now he can be MVP. And I'm gonna it, throw, it's, it's possible. And I'm going to throw one other dynamic into this AOC uh, South discussion. Ryan Tannehill, by week six or sooner, will be the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Titans because when healthy, he's the better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. Well, and you said by what? I'm sorry, Mike, week seven? By, by week six or Mike, sooner. Look at Mike's Miami. Uh, okay. Miami in here and just through. blew us away here. I just, good, I just, that's a great prediction. I just want to say that I kind of, I think you guys are onto something with the Colts. I, I'm, I'm a little bit upset with myself for picking that's the right. Jaguars. That's all right. We know I that still think Diana was completely wrong about the Saints today. Uh, but I will say, I think you might be right about the Colts. Please, please, please tweet Jeff. The good news is that's why they about. play the games, my friends. We will see. Oh, that's why? Wait, that's one reason, <laughs> smart Alec. We'll see you back tomorrow.